0: Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura.
1: What's up, Browns fans? Nathan Zagura here along with Jason Gibbs. Bo Bishop is off today as we get ready for the kickoff of Cleveland Browns training camp 2022 tomorrow here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. Today, the veterans have reported they are in the building the coaches are everywhere by the way they have a sweet looking have you seen that t-shirt hoodie everybody's wearing yes oh it's gorgeous i've I, already looked I was looked.
2: wondering how long it was going to take you
1: that's why i went to jeff i went to jeff and said jeff it, not even it's not even on the site that like jeff has access to it's nowhere is only. that an
2: equipment is that a melon pursuit of perfection again
1: it feels like it i desire it it feels like it's probably a standard issue um, that every team will have something similar to that—a T-shirt, hoodie. It's beautiful, uh, but we will uh, we'll get that when we can. Look, the fact of the matter is, the waiting game continues. I'm sick of it. I, 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 Gibby, are you sick of it? I'm I, like, just let me know. Well, I'm at the point
2: like this week has just come to a screeching halt. Like, yeah. Let, let's get on the practice field tomorrow. Like, at least we'll have something to talk about.
1: And it's hard to talk about this team. It's hard to talk about this season. It's hard to talk about what it's supposed to be. I went on the really big show earlier today, and you know they kept they're asking me, uh, uh, Riz and Hammer, asked me a lot of questions about this, and I, I have no idea. I have no insights. Nobody here knows anything, and I mean that at the absolute highest levels of our organization. Nobody yeah. has any clue as to what is is going to happen or when something will happen. Everybody shares the same sentiment, which is we would love something to happen sooner rather than later, so we can get this thing moving and and we can understand what this team could be that's the hard part about it is you just have no ability to truly know what this team is capable of you know if we have Deshaun Watson for 13 games called a four-game suspension that changes things you're I think you're a favorite to win the AFC North you're right there you're a favorite to obviously make the playoffs you have a team that absolutely has the ability to go to the Super Bowl and win it if it's you know No games. Uh, Of course, same. If it's two, same. If it's six, okay, now we're getting into the mix. Eight, all right, where a lot of things are going to have to go right, and Jacoby's got to play well, which he's capable of doing. But how do we know what this team is. And at this point, you know, there's been so much speculation about the reason it's taking so long is Sue Robinson wants the NFL to come to a settlement with the with uh, Deshaun Watson and the NFL PA. So that, you know, whatever ruling there is, it's not necessarily precedent and it doesn't go into things. Albert Breer comes out yesterday and says that the NFL won't appeal any ruling made by Sue Robinson, which means, you know, if she were to say two, four, six, they're not going to fight that. Um, We just have to figure out what it is, and then we can move forward. Because, you know, right now, and it's funny, so at USA Today, uh, Nate Davis played out the entire season and gave assigned one-loss records to every team. Did you see what he has the Browns at?
2: I don't. I did not. Okay. What do you got? Is this a guess the stats?
1: No, I mean, you could... So this is what if you can guess. What do you think his his projection for our record is
2: with Watson or without?
1: Exactly. Nobody knows. This is just what he did today. My guess is he thinks Deshaun Watson is not playing at all. In which case he probably has us at like seven and 10, six and 11. Like this is not a six and 11 football team. No, it's if Gibbe is playing quarterback. So that's what I'm saying. It's. It's holding up this. How can you even decide who's winning our division? Who's making the playoffs? By the way, he has uh, in the AFC, he's got the Bills, Colts, Ravens, and Chiefs winning their divisions, the Chargers, Bengals, and Patriots as the wild card teams in the NFC, Rams, Packers, Bucks, Eagles with the Cowboys, Saints, and 49ers as the wild card teams. What what is the love with
2: the Saints? I mean –
1: I mean, Javis was playing well before he got hurt last year. He had, okay, you know, but but listen, I don't know the answer to this.
2: I there are a few teams that I just don't understand. Like I can all I can I guess I can get the Eagles because they they have some talent on that football team. I'm not saying that New Orleans doesn't have a good defense, but I just I'm not seeing what everybody else is seeing there. I mean. Michael Thomas going to come back and want to play this year.
1: And they got Alave. You've got uh, Kamara. Well, you've got. You think you have Kamara, Jameis? I mean, there's some talent there. There's there's talent on that football team. Uh, I'm not you no know, necessarily a- against the Saints. I think they have a good defense. They do every single year. So what that a- ultimately ends up looking like, I don't know. But I-, I think he's got some people. Oh, and they have Jarvis. So yeah, Michael Thomas, Chris Alave, and Jarvis with Kamara and a good defense. I can see why people are in on the Saints. Uh, the things that surprise me the most is you've got he's got the Broncos at eight and nine with Russ, Cardinals seven and ten with Kyler. We'll talk about Kyler a little bit later on. Vikings eight and nine, Lions eight and nine, Panthers seven and ten. In fact, the only teams that he has with a worse record than the Cleveland Browns uh, are the Texans and the Jets in the AFC. The Seahawks, Bears, Falcons, and Giants. So he believes that the Browns are going to be the seventh worst team in the NFL. I wish that there were some way, obviously as an NFL employee, I can't get involved in this, but I wish that there were a way that somebody could get to Vegas and oppose Nate Davis and say, Nate Davis, the Browns finish as the seventh worst team or worse. You win the bet. The Browns finish better than the seventh worst team in the entire NFL. I win the bet. I would like that. I feel like that feels like a pretty safe one Absolutely. for me. But that's what I'm talking about. It's 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 ridiculous to even project what the Browns are doing. By the way, people are saying there's no stream giveaway. Is that true?
2: I, I don't know what's going on. So it is true? It, it's I, It says live. We've been live for seven minutes and five seconds.
1: Oh, baby. All right. Great.
2: Maybe the least surprising thing ever.
1: So that's the thing. It's just impossible, really, to talk about this team in any type of meaningful way on what a record projection would be because you don't know what this team is. And so uh, th- I look at that one and I laugh. A- and by the way, let me just say this 100% clearly. In a unfathomable worst-case scenario that Deshaun doesn't play this year, I still think we're better than 6-11. and with Jacoby Brissett. Yes. I, I, I do. I think that's that's a wild that's wild to me. Um I just wanna know. I wanna know what it is. And maybe it, it's finally like I've reached I think today's the day that it finally like it finally is. It has to gotten
2: me. to you, like it got to Bo Bishop the week uh, before we left for the week. Like it the July week.
1: Like just what as I said, what it is is what it is. Hit us with it. Let us know. Look at Kovash. Kovash looks determined. He's walking with some, some purpose. He wants to know. Me too. Me too. And I'm sure all of you out there. By the way, we would have loved to have taken some calls today. I'm not afraid of it, but, you know. Nope. We got to have a reset day, at least a buffer day, before we try again. Very sad. Very sad that we're so juvenile.
2: Not, not happening anymore.
1: That's it? Never again?
2: I don't know. Not ever. Don't you never say never.
1: Never say never in this business.
2: Not gonna be anything we do anytime soon.
1: Nana, the official Nana of the show says no stream as reported with a V sad face.
2: I am aware. We are aware.
1: It's really amazing. It it, just awesome. Well oiled machine. Listen, it's already. You know, we will. We'll look. Today, tomorrow's the day we want to be. Full full functioning. That's well,
2: when, that's to be determined. If based that's even on possible? The National Football League. Might not be allowed to live stream.
1: We're not showing the field. We're showing shooting us. Correct. So I don't understand how that could even that be. Is a TBD. Yeah. We'll find out.
2: We'll know more. It's only 109. And frankly, I'm not even sure. There's a lot of things up in the air right now.
1: By the way, this just in from uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones is having a press conference uh, right now. And unprompted, roughly four minutes into the press conference, he says, and I quote, I want to be real clear. This is about Mike McCarthy. He wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't believe he was the man to lead this team to a Super Bowl. And then he says, quote, and I have choices. What does that mean? You that's,
2: can't say that. You can't bury oh, your coach. Oh baby.
1: That's the that's the dreaded on day one. That's the dreaded
2: That's a kiss of death.
1: That is a dreaded vote of confidence. When you're a coach, you don't wanna see you don't wanna see that. You don't wanna hear that. That usually to me that feels like that's leading directly to That leads direct that's leading directly to his <laughs> dismissal at some point this season if things don't go the way that they want by the way my mom says you sound sad Gibbe. Hey. he's just frustrated we, nana there's I, a lot this is ins and outs and what have you every was,
2: day there's something
1: we all just want to know what's going on with deshaun watson that's what we're looking for but the good news is you're you're not mike mccarthy because that would be like right now while everything's going wrong Gibbe, and you got a room of uh, a, a press you know the press assembled saying what's up with Gibbe? what's up with gibby and then i'd be like no Gibby's great he wouldn't be the producer here if we didn't want him here we got a lot of choices to be the producer though some of them are real good I gotta tell you
2: well thanks (laughs) that'd
1: be great no that's not the reality you're you don't need a vote of confidence you are Gibby you and that's all you need to be
2: I don't even know like it looks like it's live it's telling me it's live and it's still not
1: Kevin Brown Kevin we feel your pain. He said, would be nice to listen to Brown's Daily. Too bad we can't get it right and stream it on time every day with any consistency. Gibbe gets get Stevie on it. Listen, technology is out of our hands. At least you can listen on the app. You I was going say, there are numerous
2: right. other ways to consume the program outside of the YouTube feed.
1: Adam Schwartz loves that. He says he's got us on the stream, and the faith that you put in Gibbe a, a quarterback to take this team to more than 6-11 and 11 is uncanny. There Here
2: we go from the powers that be. We're working through something with the app and the stream, but I don't think it should be impacting what you're doing. I would disagree with you right now.
1: Yeah. Who are the powers that be, by the way? Pause. No, that was a real question. I know. All right, you'll tell me later. My mom wants you to know that she thinks you're wonderful. This is a direct quote. I think he's wonderful and great and just perseveres, and he puts up with a lot. He has a fan in me. So there you go, Gibbe. I
2: I promise you, it's not intentional. The effi- like we, we go live, and it's, now it says I'm live, and it says I've been live for a minute.
1: We're back, baby. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, well. Look, the fact of the matter is all we want to know is what's going on, Glenn Cook walking by, legend. Everybody's here. Everybody's in the building. Everybody's excited about what this season can be. We just want to know what does that actually look like. Let, it, let us know. Help me help you. That's all I want. Let us know. There it is. Let us know. So hopefully we'll get that. By the way, RIP the Choco Taco.
2: Yeah, what?
1: what Klondike. up
2: and says, I'm going to take away the Choco Taco? Klondike has
1: discontinued it. I'll tell you this. I couldn't tell you the last time I had a novelty ice cream. Something that would have come out of an ice cream truck coming through the neighborhood, Gibay, because we know my thoughts on those. I can't tell you when the last time that was. What I can tell you is the last time that it did happen, it was a Choco Taco. That was and I, always will be the best going on in the world. Ice cream. And now maybe there are some people who are who are skeptical who believe that they put out that they were discontinuing it to get people up in arms to redrive demand for the Chaco Taco. All right, you got me. Fine. But the Chaco Taco is elite. Think about it, folks. They took the cone, they turned that into a taco shell, then they gave you some ice cream, and then a little chocolate on the top, it's a delight. And again, like I said, it's probably been two decades, probably since in my 20s that I last had a novelty ice cream. But the last time I did, I can guarantee you, it was the Choco Taco. So hopefully, cooler heads prevail, the Choco Taco comes back, the stream comes back, and we get, uh, we get an opportunity to know what's going on. It
2: would be nice in the world.
1: That's all I want.
2: I mean, we don't, we're not asking for a lot.
1: I don't think we are asking for a lot. I, I don't. It doesn't feel either. like it. It doesn't feel like it. So the good news is all 32 training camps are officially open today. Welcome to the 2022 season. It is happening. We are. It, it's full go. It, it comes at you fast. It is full Go yeah, and here we go Let's for the clean the reps
2: Good tomorrow for practice because right now that's not looking so hot. Yes, but it looks good for the weekend when the people come. So I, really, that's what I, I I would much rather see that. We can we can work around the weather issues.
1: We'll be fine. We're gonna be just fine. We're gonna be just fine. Hopefully, we'll have some choco tacos out there. All right. Coming up on the show, we've got a lot for you here today. You can tweet me questions, but I am not going to allow you to call after yesterday's poor behavior. You can tweet me questions, and I will. I'll entertain them if they're good ones. You can
2: do a mailbag today if you'd like.
1: You can just we can organically send yes. something to me on Twitter at Nathan Zagura or at BGSU Gibbs, and and we'll check it out. Browns underscore daily. We'll check it out. And maybe we'll talk about it. It'll be fun. We got around the NFL. There's a lot of news because everybody's reporting. So there's a lot going on around the NFL. We've got at one we we're going to the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a look at the biggest questions at each offensive position group headed into Browns training camp. At 2 o'clock, Mike Sando's annual quarterback tiers are out at theathletic.com. We're going to break those down. 2.15, training camp preview. We're looking at the special teams unit, the kickers, the punters, the long snapper, the returners, and the coverage teams. And then at 2.30, biggest questions at each defensive position headed into camp. So if you have questions for the position groups, let me know. You have questions about the specialists, let me know, and we'll get into those. We'll integrate those into the show today. Um, Again, it's the waiting game. That, that's really what it is. Here's my face. For those of the streams back, give me some news. Help me out. I'm like the hungry hippo. Constantly refreshing, constantly looking to gobble up some news. Give me that news. Even though it's new as I don't want it. at this point, give me that news. That's what I'm saying right now. All right, when we come back, we're going around the NFL. Stunning arrival from Aaron Rodgers, stunning detail in the Kyler Murray contract. Some stars not reporting. Other stars are reporting. Some people want their names changed. Other people rolling with the same name. A lot going on in the National Football League. Coming up next on Cleveland Browns Daily here on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850
1: ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Zagura, Jason Gibbs with you here today. The Browns veterans have reported training camp begins tomorrow with the Browns first practice. First open practice will be this Saturday for the fans. We'll also have our first edition of Browns live from training camp As well, coming to you this Saturday from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus here in Berea. All right, some news in and around the National Football League, and there is a lot of it. Do you want to start with Kyler Murray, or do you want to start with Aaron Rodgers? We we,
2: we have a lot. And by the way, Joe Burrow is undergoing an emergency appendectomy right now.
1: So Joe Burrow undergoing surgery to repair his appendix. Remember, Austin Hooper did that in the middle of the season a couple of years ago. So he'll be out a couple of weeks, but the good news is he will be back Maybe maybe not even a couple of weeks because he's not going to take any contact on it as soon as he feels, pain from a pain standpoint, able to get out there and throw the ball around. He'll be fine, and obviously it's better that it happened in the preseason for them than it happened in the regular season, and he, won't, he won't, he's not expected to miss any games or any time like that. All right, let's now talk about Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray had signed that big extent, extension, and all of a sudden something came out about a clause in it that is one of it's it's unique it is i think in some ways damning of kyler murray in terms of what he had done is to prepare to be a quarterback and the lifestyle it requires to be an elite quarterback in the nfl and the fact that his agent allowed that clause to be in there is stunning to me because you'd say all right well there's a billion teams that want kyler murray's services you're taking that out he did not It is unprecedented. It does, however, fall in line with the CBA. Um, The NFLPA does not believe that it violates the CBA. It's a condition on his guaranteed money. No provision of the CBA prevents such terms. So let's hear what Ian Rappaport real quickly had to say about this clause in Kyler Murray's contract.
3: I did a double take, too. and, And, you know, in fact, as far as I can tell, this type of language is not in any other player's uh, contract Certainly not any big time, big money quarterback. But here's what it is. There is in Kyler Murray's new five-year extension, $230.5 million contract extension based on new money, an addendum that is essentially an independent study clause. What this means is that Kyler Murray has to study by himself for four hours per game week. Uh, so buys, he's okay, but four hours per game week needs to do it on the team-issued tablet, which of course Teams can now monitor. If he does not do this, he is in default and will uh, essentially lose his guaranteed money according to the addendum of his contract. It also says in there that he is not allowed to be doing anything that would distract him from studying, such as video games or TV. So yes, and this is something that was extremely important from what I understand for Cardinals owner Michael Bidwill. Make this kind of commitment to someone you want him to be the face of the franchise. There is significant uh, workout bonuses for the offseason. They want Kyler Murray around in the offseason. They also want to make sure that he is studying as he needs to be uh, based on the kind of commitment they gave him monetarily. So It was important to put it in the contract. Kyler Murray, from what I understand, gets it and eventually agreed to it. But it is certainly unique. So what in the world has Kyler
1: Murray done in the last few seasons that has forced that has forced the Cardinals to put this in there and that he would accept it how bad were his study habits
2: that that has to be put in there and you're right how does the agent allow that to happen because you don't want that stigma getting out about your client
1: you certainly do not and and that 's the thing that I am amazed that this did get out that this is something i can't imagine the cardinals would this it doesn't benefit anybody for this getting out it makes the cardinals look like you just gave 170 guaranteed to a quarterback that you think doesn't study and doesn't do the preparation that he needs to to be an elite quarterback in the league On Kyler's side, he's absolutely acknowledging that he has not studied the way that he needs to to be a franchise quarterback thus far and, and, and is okay having his guaranteed money linked to a clause specifically demanding that he does so. And by the way, that's not the only thing that's in this contract. That's not the only what I would call rather large stipulation for Kyler Murray. It also includes a very broad no baseball clause. Murray's deal includes a very broad clause that triggers a default as to his guaranteed money in the event that he has any involvement with organized baseball. If Murray, quote, participates in any type of baseball-related activity, including without limitation a tryout, workout, practice, scrimmage, exhibition, or game for any baseball team in any baseball league. What? Yeah. In past years, some contracts.
2: Playing like the charity softball?
1: Well, that's not for a baseball team. So that I bet he would be able to do, like play in a charity softball. It's for any baseball team in any baseball league. In the past years, some contracts from Pro Football Talk included language that allowed teams to get a court order blocking a player from playing baseball. The Bucks did that with Jameis Winston's rookie deal. That is yield to, at most, a clause wiping out the player's guaranteed money. That's the risk Murray takes if he has any involvement with a baseball team. So they gave all this money to somebody that they are on some level concerned is truly going to leave them for baseball and somebody that while he plays football at the most important position in all of professional sports at the most demanding position in all of professional sports that he, he has not done the requisite work to be great. And perhaps That's why they have had these second-half swoons. Now, part of us said maybe it's because of, you know, what's going on with Cliff Kingsbury, right? We've said maybe that people figure out his offense. Well, what if it's because once people identify what Kyler likes to do and do well, he's not doing the work to have those counterpunches, and yet they've rewarded him with this franchise contract? It opens up a big Big can of worms. Nobody benefits from this clause becoming public. Absolutely nobody. And so that to me, the fact that it's in there is a red flag. The fact that it's become public is a double red flag. That's not to say it can't work out, but it's odd that he's got that. That has to be in there.
2: I, I just. It's, it's not a good look. I know you don't like that term, but. That there's something like, number one. I think it's weird that the owner is demanding it. That that's kind of strange, and that I don't I don't know what that is. But number two, bad job by Kyler's people to allow that to be put in. Bad
1: but, yes, bad job for them. But,
2: I mean, if that's how the only way if that if that is what came down to him getting paid or not paid. There are plenty of things to be alarmed about there.
1: Yeah. Uh here's something else from Jerry Jones' press conference, which is becoming very newsworthy. He said uh he took, quote, dead aim at now Cleveland Browns wide receiver Amari Cooper said when you make that much money, the bar is higher. It's about availability. It's why you it's why you are unavailable. Cooper did not get vaccinated last year, and it played a role in him missing three games. And now Amari Cooper, obviously a member of the Cleveland Browns. And quite frankly, the Browns got an incredible deal from the Cowboys in acquiring Cooper. And you look at what's gone on with the wide receiver market around the rest of the NFL. It was almost feels like it was a, a massive steal for the Cleveland Browns. And, and everybody has been thrilled with Amari Cooper since he has been here and certainly excited to see uh, what he does with this football team as its number one receiver. So that is the Kyler stuff. Now you've got Aaron Rodgers showing up to Packers camp, looking like Nick cage from Conair. It's an absolutely stunning piece of video. He chucks his backpack. It's shot in slow motion, so you can see his hair blowing in the wind. Cousin Sal said it best that, you know, the thing that he's most concerned about watching this video, that the Packers should be the most concerned about, is how slow he looks compared (laughs) to recent years, which was, I thought, a great little bit from Cousin Sal there.
2: Warren Sharp posted a good one, a good clip, set to to a famous quote from, from Con Air involving Nicolas Cage. Please tell my daughter I'm sorry, but I couldn't leave a man behind. Like, this whole thing as he's walking, it's brilliantly put together. Yes. It's McAfee a- was like, dare I say, going back to back. I yep. mean, th- this is the content that I this, – this is what I need. in the Yes. I, I need more Aaron Rodgers.
1: More Aaron Rodgers. Just do it. By uh, the way, the stream's back. Yeehaw. I've been working. The hard. waiting continues, but the stream is back. Uh, there will not be more Darius Leonard, Colt star Darius Leonard, saying that he will now go by Shaquille Leonard, which is what his family calls him. It's his middle name. So Shaquille Leonard is one of the best linebackers in professional football. Bill Belichick on Mac Jones offseason saying, quote, I've seen dramatic improvement. All right. I, I would hope so. I didn't think he was that great last year, but certainly. He faded down the stretch. He took he it. Listen, minutes. he took it to us. We'll see how that goes this year. They took it to us. Yeah, we will see how that goes this year. Um, from Cincinnati, no Jesse Bates, the safety refused to sign his franchise tether. He will hold out. He will hold out and did not report to camp today. And we know how a lot of people in that organization feel about his importance. Joe Burrow saying that he is as important as anybody to their success and wants Bates out there. Um, and so we have a little bit of an impasse right now. They're saying they have no doubt that he will be ready to go when it is time. Now, the big story Mike Brown talking about as well uh, is saying that, you know, he wants Joe Burrow to emulate Patrick Mahomes when it comes to his expectations and the salary cap. And remember, the Browns do not have the wealth to match the clause right now where the guaranteed money must be put in escrow. So here's what Mike Brown said. I sort of like how Mahomes said he doesn't care about what those guys are getting. He's set for life with what he's got. And why isn't that a good way to look at it? I'm thinking. Well, as Mike Florio notes, a great way to look at it for the people writing their checks. It makes it a lot easier when it comes to holding a great team together. Great players don't insist on full and fair market value. Now, some people will do that, uh, but it's funny. Mike Brown already laying the groundwork for what could be a very difficult extension to reach with Joe Burrow. And he went on to say, part of the reason why we're doing things you see us doing, we're trying to prepare to find a way to keep Joe here, to keep Jamar here, keep T. Higgins here, and keep Tyler Boyd here. It's going to be a real challenge for us, and, and part of it will be dependent upon if Joe Burrow enables them to do that. And it will. Does Joe Burrow think that's what he should do? That we will find out you're, in you're the coming keep years. Maybe
2: two of those in Cincinnati, knowing how that organization operates. Yes, yes, and I
1: think Tyler Boyd would be the first one that you would divest and try to find a slot receiver that Joe Burrow enhances and elevates, like. Maybe the great Danny Amendola, who announced his retirement from the NFL today. Amendola, as well as Buster Screen, former Cleveland Brown, announcing their retirements. And Amendola, a great career that began back in the year 2009, which is incredible. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, He appeared with, started his career with the Rams, which I forgot about. 85 catches back in 2010 for 689 yards. Um, he had sixty three for six sixty six in two thousand and twelve. Then he goes to the Patriots. He wins two Super Bowls uh, with the Patriots before going to Miami, Detroit, and finishing his career in Houston. So, in two thousand eight and oh eight oh nine,
2: it lists him on Wikipedia because Wikipedia is never wrong. Yep. There's a there's a little, uh, little little asterisk, asterisk, off season and or practice squad member only. That's how he came in. Yeah. Undrafted 2008. Now he's a member of the New England Patriots, all 2010s team.
1: Which is wild because, and he never, never had 700 yards receiving in a season in his career. He never had five touchdowns in a season in his career. Um, In fact, his years with Patriots were 27 catches for 200 yards and a touchdown, 65 for 648 and three. 23 for 243 and 4, 61 for 659 and 2. Um, let's take a look at his postseason because I'm sure that's in, when you're in the, with the Patriots, that's one of the things that matters as well. And you go to this postseason with the Patriots uh, 10 and 3 in the postseason. So here it is. The guy was just better when it mattered the most. In the postseason, 57 catches. 709 yards and six touchdowns in only 13 games. So he was exponentially better in the playoffs than he was in the regular seasons. Uh, Had some big. He had five for 48 and a touchdown in the the Super Bowl win over Seattle. He had eight for 78 and a touchdown in the Super Bowl win over Atlanta. And while they did lose... Uh, to Philly in that game, he had eight catches for 152 yards there. He also had seven for 84 and two touchdowns in the AFC Championship win over Jacksonville that year. So qu- quite prolific in the playoffs for caught passes, Danny Amendola.
2: Caught passes from Mark Bolger and Sam Bradford in St. Louis. The great Tom Brady. Matt Stafford. Like guys caught some passes from some pretty good quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. Nemo certainly did, Stafford obviously in Detroit, Brady, you're right, some good quarterbacks. Who did you, did you say who was throwing them the ball with the Rams? Uh, Mark Bolger?
2: Bolger. That's what it Zam looked Braff. like on that
1: on that highlight it looked like a little Mark Bolger action there. All and right. Nemo so,
2: was his quarterback in 08 when he came in.
1: So we wish him well uh in his next I guess he's going to be pursuing a TV and also we wish Buster Screenwell, who had a, a very nice career that began with the Cleveland Browns. I,
2: I can remember he just got unfairly picked on in 2013. Well, we're, we're in New England. We're up big. Like, we're having this great year. Chudzinski's a coach. It was my first year producing the radio network. And then Tom Brady just went at Buster Screen. And he was getting flagged for everything and it just kept it was just an avalanche and a lot of it there was a lot of calls that shouldn't have happened there were some that did that should have happened yes and you just were like is this guy at a crossroads i mean tom brady almost broke buster screen that day and screen came back and played with a vengeance and got paid and he was always a good teammate he was always great in the locker room downstairs he was Money Mitch before there was a Money Mitch.
1: Buster screen began with the Browns in 2011, was a fifth-round pick, played with the Browns through the 14th season when he was became a slot corner, and that's how he really extended his time in the league and became a good one, and, yeah, he was picked on – Very early on in his career, but when you stay in the league from 11 to 21, when you play four years with the Browns, four years with the Jets, two with Chicago, and then one with San Francisco and Tennessee, his final season, reuniting with Kyle Shanahan, who was on that 2014 staff here, you know you've had a very, very solid career, 10 career interceptions for Buster Screen, 88 passes defensed. Guy was a darn good player and had a great career, and it was cool to see how that evolved after his time with the Cleveland Browns. All right, when we come back, we're going to take a look at the biggest question at each position group on the offense. That's coming up when we return here on Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland.
1: Elk and Elk serious lawyers for serious injuries. Call one eight hundred Elk Ohio for your free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. Nathan Zagura and Jason Gibbs here. The calm before the storm. Two way. It's true. A duality of truth in that one. Training camp officially starts to. Tomorrow here, the veterans have reported to the cross-country mortgage campus. Training camp begins tomorrow. And then the other column is, we're waiting for the news on Deshaun Watson. I keep scrolling, hoping to will it to happen. It is not. It is not happening. So, as of now. Anyway, what is happening, though? Gibbe and I are going to go through each position group on offense and give our biggest questions for the season or the biggest question something that we want to see in training camp maybe that's unanswered maybe it's a, a an opportunity for a player who knows we'll see what it is but gibbe let's get this going we'll start with the quarterback position what is your biggest question for the po- quarterback position well, group i mean it's, it's the take mo- that out of it the
2: matzo ball hanging out there but take that out um of it. what could Josh? what are, what could josh rosen be yeah. Because I, uh, me personally, I think he could be more than a practice arm, more than just a training camp arm.
1: Well, uh, and that means that we're talking about, you know, Josh Rosen pushing Josh Dobbs, the battle of the Joshes to be the third-string quarterback on this team. Um, yeah, that is certainly that's, – that's the one question I think for this roster uh, as we go forward. The other question is, you know, what can Jacoby Brissett be for this football team? What can he be? When he was a starter in India over two seasons, 3, 31 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 500 yards rushing, another 11 touchdowns on the ground. 31 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. I feel like if the Browns have a quarterback who gives them a better than two to one touchdown to interception ratio, they are going to be a winning football team. Now, he's 14 and 23 in his career as a starter, but this is the best team that he's been on, clearly. So, if he can complete, you know, sixty plus percent of his passes and give you a two to one touchdown interception ratio, is that good enough to hold down the fort? I believe that it is, but we're going to need to see positive signs from him in this training camp, and so see, that's, I, that's. I
2: got confidence in Jacoby Brissett. So do
1: I. I'm good.
2: I and, and I'm not saying that you don't. I, I just. I, th- I think the top two QB spots. I, I'm I'm okay. Oh with.
1: yeah, that's not a competition, and yeah, I'm okay with it Especially
2: because Jacoby Brissett doesn't have to be the man. He's got, he's
1: got talent around him. That's right. He'll and,
2: have to make some throws, but he doesn't have to be the man if he's the
1: quarterback. This is a guy who is a great leader. He is respected. He was the Indianapolis Colts' Walter Payton Man of the Year in 2020. He knows what he knows his strengths. He knows his limitations. He plays within himself. So he's a guy that I don't know if you'd say, all right, Jacoby Brissett, we're going to drop back 40 times. You're going to go win us a game. But that's this team last year was built to win without a quarterback doing that. And Jacoby Brissett, for his career, takes better care of the football than what we have had here. And quite frankly, I think with Jacoby Brissett last year, we probably make the playoffs. Do I think in the big picture people, oh, you're saying he's better? I think last year he would have done better. Now, healthy Baker Mayfield, we've seen how good he was at the end Of That stretch there in 2020 when the Browns went to the playoffs. I'm just talking about last year's team what it could have accomplished with quarterback play that was in the middle of the pack in the league. I think it would have done just fine. I think Jacoby Brissett can give that to you uh, in bursts. I think if you had to go full season with him, you know, I think he's going to find ways to scratch and claw and get this football team wins. But that right now, that's the end I know what Deshaun Watson is. I know what Jacoby is. What is he in this offense? It's the best offensive line he's ever played behind. It'll be the best running game he's ever played with. Could he be even better here with this team? By the way, it's a good defense. So I want to watch Jacoby. I have full belief in him. Anybody can step out there and stroke the trifecta like he does. You know he's in a hashtag athlete. And he's going to come in, as I said, well-liked and respected already in this locker room, knows his strengths, knows his limitations, and will play within himself. And I think a quarterback who does that for the Browns has an opportunity to be very, very successful for this football team, just like Case was. Case last year was 2-0 and in his two starts yep. because he knew what he could do. He knew the offense. He knew the system. He knew where the ball was supposed to go. And he was able to deliver the ball there. And I think that is what you would get with Jacoby Brissett. Plus, a little more size, a little more running ability, especially in short-yarded situations. All right, running back room. Biggest question you have about the running back room.
2: Uh, I think it's probably the same one you have, and that is how many how many of these guys make this football team? <laughs> Who's on this roster uh,
1: going into Labor Day weekend? So I think you could almost put it in pen, honestly, barring an injury that Chubb, Hunt, Johnson, and Jerome Ford make this team. So the question that I have about this room is, number one, is there a trade that potentially comes out of this room? Correct. Does this room, do those four guys, if those four are on the roster, I think those four are on the roster. If not, that potentially changes the calculus. The fact is, Nick Chubb is the best running back in football, in my opinion. He's certainly in the discussion. People could debate the merits of a Jonathan Taylor or a Derrick Henry, but he's right there with all of those people, despite never getting that type of a workload. Kareem Hunt, you know, has led this league in rushing. Last year was on a pace, you know, in the first six games, he had 522 total touchdowns and five touchdowns. He was on a pace last year for 1,200 total yards and 11 touchdowns. He is the best number two running back in the NFL. D. Ernest Johnson is the best number three running back in the NFL. Last year, when he was asked to be a starter in two games, all he did was produce 245 yards rushing on six yards to carry one touchdown and added nine catches for eight yards. So 325 total yards a touchdown was the FedEx ground player of the week. He was the highest graded, had the highest running grade of any running back in the NFL for the season at Pro Football Focus. And then there's Jerome Ford, who was the fifth round pick this year. So, Number one, is there a trade possibility with maybe DeErnest? I don't know where he could go and somebody says, yeah, this guy can be the guy for us. Or do you go in there with the greatest insurance and and the best, honest goodness, the best top to bottom position group of any position group in the NFL? Because that's what the Browns have there. And then the other kind of like little question is, because we're talking running backs, do they keep a traditional fullback? Or Johnny Stan's been working with the tight ends. Is it a tight end who occasionally can play fullback? And then is Demetric Felton a running back, or is he a receiver to try to make this football team? Because I think it would be very difficult in the running back room right now with the way that it's structured. So that could change, obviously, if there is a move. But that's my—that's the biggest – those are the questions for me yeah, in that running back I, room.
2: I, I don't think you're going to hide Jerome Ford on the practice squad. Not
1: a chance. And no. they've already been very impressed with him. All right, wide receiver room, what's the biggest question to you?
2: Boy, the, there, there's a few here, but – I think it has to come down to the impact that Anthony Schwartz can make on this room. Can he stay healthy? Can he be the the deep threat this football team needs to open up everything underneath? Yep. You know, how is the, – the, the biggest progression you make is year one to year two. So, where is – what does that look like? Can it happen?
1: Yeah. That is, that's, you know, that's it for me to piggyback off you. It's it's Anthony Schwartz, right? Yeah. Does he become the vertical threat or or must you go and, and inquire about a Will Fuller or a Deshaun Jackson or a T.Y. Hilton? What's up? Oh, the great Allison walking by right there. Love it. Love to see it. A lot of joy in this building right now. By the way, earlier I, I was at her desk. Do you know what she had on her desk? A key lime pie Kit Kat.
2: Where'd that come from,
1: Brad Mellon.
2: Well, I think the next—I tried is, it. The next level's next.
1: You want to go get one of those? Like, I tried what?
2: it. It was uh. What is, what is that man doing? The guy—he's not helping us at all.
1: He's the—he's the nothing. Ma- he, no love. He, he, well, I didn't realize that. To me, the fact that he didn't give it to us was a sign of love. But I guess that's a different way to look at things. I different. like Elon. It does it was not, You would just you'd rather have some key line pie. It was not great. I like a good key line pie as well. Okay. Um, so Schwartz is the big question, Mark. David Bell now with this foot injury on the on the pup list. When yeah. do we get him back? That's a question heading into camp. And then, you know, who makes this team as the next receiver? You know, Jakeem Grant's gonna make this team because of his return prowess. Amari, Donovan Peoples, Jones, Bell, and Schwartz. If you need to bring in a veteran because Schwartz isn't ready, is that person that's the last spot right there? Or yeah. Or, you know, you've got Jamarcus Bradley, you've got Michael Woods, the second this year, six round pick this year. You've got, Dem- does Felton make it as a, as a receiver? And does he get more slot reps now, given that you see, you know, Bell on the pup list? Um, I mean,
2: how do they use Jakeem Grant in this offense? Got some really creative and really smart people calling plays.
1: Yeah, and, and Jakeem Grant has got over 500 yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns just as a receiver the last two years. Jamarcus Bradley's been with the team for a couple of seasons. Javon Wims is a four-year veteran stands 6 6'4". Isaiah Weston, who's a lot of people are excited to see him, can he shock the world and just be the burner? He's 6'4", 214, flies and averaged 24 yards a catch last year at Northern Iowa. So Mike Harley Jr., I know that Chad O'Shea likes what he's seen from him already, the all-time leading receiver in the history of the U. Can he be somebody that makes an impact? But really, for me, the wide receiver room all comes down to it all comes down to Anthony Schwartz. Is he ready to take a huge, huge step forward? That's the question.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited to find out.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's
2: you know. I, I think we're also expecting big things from DPJ. You know, the of doors course, open. Of course, that I have no doubt to...
1: about. Like that, I'm I'm com- I'm supremely confident in Donovan people's jones all right, let's go to the tight end room now, Gibbe. Biggest question for the tight end room. I mean, can can the Chief live up to the hype? Live I mean, up to the that, contract. He
2: deservedly got the contract. Now, I mean, it, this is not a three tight end set anymore with Deshaun Watson in the fold. You know, he's, he's going to be counted on a lot. I mean, it's a very young wide receiver room. He's he's got to be the man when it's time to be the man.
1: And I believe I believe that he will live agree. up to that contract. I think that he is certainly ready. I know the Browns are ready to see that uh, go forward. My question is: you know, Chiefs number one, Harrison Bryant's number two. Who's number three? Does Miller Forrestall become the third tight end? The former undrafted free agent out of Alabama. He's had a nice spring. And I realize it's not as important a position as it would have been perhaps last year, but I think if if Jacoby is starting for a while, we'll see more of the three tight end stuff uh, than we will with Deshaun Watson. So, or do you need to go out and get a veteran to complement the Chief and Harrison Bryant? Does Johnny Stanton make this team? Does Marco Santos Silva, the the former college hoop star who's pursuing a football career? does he make such an impression with his athleticism that he makes this team. You know, I'm fun to watch that guy. I think that's going to be that's going to be fun to see. So, that's those are my questions there. Our right, biggest question for you on the offensive line, Gibbe.
2: I, I guess it's at the tackle position. And and how do, you know, if Jack Conklin is Jack Conklin ready to go, um is Jed Wills taking that next step in his development? And I guess you could say the same thing um, regarding James Hudson, you know, or, or is Chris Hubbard healthy? The tackle to position to me is probably the biggest, maybe the biggest position of question going into this on the offensive side of the football. Right. That's, just because just because of the injuries. Right. And, right. And, and the injuries and the youth and the youth.
1: Right. You know. Quick questions: Can Jed Will's bounce back after being injured for much of last yeah. season? Will Jack Conklin be ready to go? That's a big one, right? Now we've got great depth. How does that shake out? You've got Chris Hubbard, you got Hudson, you got Posick, Dunn, Blake Hans. You know what does that mean for Dawson Deaton, who was the seventh round pick this year? For Drew Forbes, a sixth round pick back in nineteen? For Yelda Froholt, a former fourth round pick in two thousand nineteen, was on our roster last year. You know, and then Alex Taylor. How does he go forward? But the biggest one you're dealing with is all right. Is Jack Conklin ready to go? And does Jed Wills recapture the form that he showed in his rookie year after battling through injuries in his second to become that, you know, bookend stalwart left tackle that the Browns drafted him to be early in the first round two seasons ago? So there we go. So Let's look at the offensive side. All right, one hour down. See, we got through it even though we're playing the waiting game. That's what we do. Big B's here. When we come back, we'll take a look at Mike Sando's annual quarterback tiers, a training camp position preview of the special teams unit, and then the biggest questions at each defensive position group. It's all coming your way in hour number two of Cleveland Browns Daily here on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Browns Daily on 850
1: ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, hour number two here from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. And now we told you we're going to go into the quarterback tiers, and there's a lot of interesting stuff here from Mike Sando. He does this every year at The Athletic, and um, you get some, I think, some interesting comments as well about the various quarterbacks. Do you? <laughs> uh, you get a lot. There's, there's no doubt. And so, in 2022, so 50 NFL coaches and executives have shaken up the elite ranks for 2022, the ninth incarnation of his annual survey. Um, tier one, a tier one quarterback is basically the guy that can do it all. Right, that's the guy that can win you the games when you need him to win you the games. He can pass when the other team knows you're going to pass. He is the franchise. He is the man. And in fact, the exact word he has is a quarterback who can carry his team every week. The team wins because of him. He expertly handles pure passing situations. No real holes in his game. Number one in tier one, Aaron Rodgers, who has been in tier one since every year, basically. Uh, This is the eighth time in nine years of the quarterback tiers balloting that he's finished no worse than tied for the top spot. He is the standard tier one for quarterback play. Um, a defense coordinator said, I can't wait to rate him as a two. That'll be the favorite day of my career. So he's number one. He's a tier one guy. Mahomes, a tier one guy as well. A single contrarian voter prevented Mahomes from tying Rodgers at the top. That voter, veteran defensive play caller, thinks there were times last season when Mahomes failed to read defenses the way top tier quarterbacks do. And there was some knock on that. Teams played a lot of cover too and that he wasn't able to deliver the way you wanted. Tom Brady coming in at number three. Uh that he is he's tom brady i mean what do you want uh quarterback's coach said he's a 100 percent he can carry that offense he is that offense he has an all-star team around him but look at how the team oozes confidence now they have 12 back there and playing you still have to give the due to one a defensive coordinator says josh allen surged in the top tier after narrowly missing it last year and how could he not Nine touchdown passes without an interception in the playoffs last year. Uh, as a personnel directed set, personnel director said, he's proven he can handle big moments. Um, he gives guys opportunities to make plays. Nine times out of ten, they make it. You can see the maturity. He used to make really egregious throws. It creeps in every now and again, but he's a big-time passer. Um, Look at his
2: voting average. In 19, he was like at a 3.69. Yeah, because he was, his rookie year, he was not good, yeah. but he has
1: progressed. He was a guy it is, that was a real it, project. It's remarkable
2: how well he's progressed. And
1: he's worked hard, and he had the same offense, the same coach, the same offensive coordinator and play caller the, for the first four years of his career, and I think that continuity certainly helped him. Now, the, he's got a change there, but with the offensive coordinator, Brian Dable now the head coach of the New York Giants. So we'll see if that impacts him, if at all. But at this point, he feels very, very well established he is a definite one. Justin Herbert moves up to being a one. He is the fifth quarterback in that one. An offensive coach said, I was so impressed with him live. He has a chance to do something special. The best pure thrower of the three young guys. I didn't realize he was that athletic. One of our studs was chasing him down. He got around him and was laughing at him the whole time. Competitive spirit, athletic ability. I saw a freaking stud in our game. I mean, he was a stud when we played him. There's no doubt. Yeah. Another voter said, he's kind of like a bigger version of Aaron Rodgers. When we played them, I was like, dang, I didn't know this dude could move that well or he was that accurate. Five, six, seven years down the road, I think uh, he will be the guys we're talk. one of the guys we talk about in the big three.
2: I just – I think it's still high. I think I need to – like, I know what he's capable of, but a lot of anointing going
1: on there. And I
2: don't know about the re- – I,
1: I think know about he's good. I think they're good. There. Well, he's aggressive, and he's got – now he's got the talent, I think, to back up that aggressiveness, so we'll see. But I, I – I was very impressed with Justin Herbert. Joe oh. Burrow, also in Tier 1, making his debut there. A GM said that he is a young Tom Brady. I think Herbert has shown he can do it in doses. Burrow's a step ahead. I think his mind is a lot quicker. He wins with his brain. So he's smart. And a lot of people think he's like a bigger, better Drew Brees. And if he has that career, look out. Uh, he is a very, very good player. Um, head coach who played... Placed Burrow in tier one. Explained that Burrow's pro offensive line was a contributing factor. West Coast offense quarterbacks are always looking for with the anticipation, instincts, ball accuracy, throwing guys open. You just don't see that at a very young age coming out. I'm talking particularly from the drop back phase. I'm a fan. I put a one on him. One concern was. Uh, he predetermines a lot of his quick game. They'll spread it out and try to show him the pitcher. If you can change the look, I think the kid locks in on some of these guys. I'm just saying he predetermines some things until he grows out of that. He's a good two for me. Very good. Tier 2, by the way, is good. A Tier 2 quarterback can carry his team sometimes not as consistently. He can handle pure passing situations in doses or possesses other dimensions that are special enough to elevate him above Tier 3, but has a hole or two in his game. It starts with Matt Stafford, who, by the way, just won the Super Bowl. And got 18 Tier 1 votes up from 4 last year. Um, all the talent in the world. You get him in a good situation and he and he wins. I mean, he won the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson also in Tier 2. He comes in at 8th. And Deshaun Watson comes in at Tier 2 as well. Uh, finishing ninth. So he got a lot of votes in different areas because of the uncertainty around him. Which we are all hoping to end there. Uh, but here's what a defensive coordinator said. I know that he's that the situation is what it is, but he is a one. I mean, I'm just rating him as a football player. He is a one. He is legit. You can put the game on him. They were bad in Houston, but it was not because of him. And then somebody said at the at the uh, at the end, it will be not be hard to put Watson back into tier one if he does what the Dolphins in Cleveland and half of a dozen other teams thought he would do if they signed him. Lamar Jackson in tier two at number this 10. One. And this is where there's some tough stuff in here that I, I, I agree with some of it and I don't agree with some of it. Number one, I agree with this. You cannot go into a game and not account for this guy. Like we are meeting with people every off season to find out how they would defend this type of offense. At the same time, I can see why you go anywhere from one to three with him. If he has to drop back and throw the ball, it's not the same, but if he's on rhythm, they're running the ball, they're running play action off it. You can't account for him. He's going to kill you. That is right. He is that good. Here's another defense court said if he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, he's a really good football player, but I don't care if he wins the MVP 12 times, I don't ever think he'll be a one as a quarterback. He's a one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So many games come down to the two-minute, and that is why they have a hard time advancing even when they are good on defense. Playoffs are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball. He's just inconsistent throwing the ball. It's hit or miss. So, And I think part of the reason that's part of the reason why, and I don't agree with that statement the way that it is made, by the way. Um, I think Lamar Jackson's very dangerous. Now, he's shown that he can throw the ball in certain situations. In other situations, he hasn't been as consistent as some other people. And and people saw last year that game in Miami where they just blitzed him. And that kind of changed things for him. But I'm sure they will have an answer. But the fact is, receivers don't want to play there. And that is something that the Ravens have to think about when they're considering, do they give him a, a... Big, big contract, and of course they should, because what are the alternatives? Uh, another offensive coach said to me, it's nonsense to say he's not in Tier 1. He's one of the more special talents to ever play the game, and Baltimore's a contender because of him. I couldn't agree with that anymore. That is true. He is a special talent, and he is the reason they are as good as they are. Number 11, Dak Prescott in, in Tier 2. Derek Carr in Tier 2 as well. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, we'll find out. If he's not if he's not tier one after this year with Darren Waller, or Devontae Adams, and Hunter Renfro, he's never going to be. Um, Kyler Murray in tier two as well at number 13.
2: Better study hard.
1: Matt Ryan uh, almost into tier four for the first time in nine seasons in the balloting. He had been a one at, at times, even a two, uh, but he still lands in tier two. Um, I still think he can play an evaluator set. If you give him the run game and protect him, especially if you can protect him up the middle, he can throw it well enough, and he's smart enough to keep the train going. With the Colts, I think he's got a great chance. With the Falcons, he didn't have any help. Matt Ryan physically has less ability than the guy they got rid of in Carson Wentz. What they're hoping is he's a better leader and, more, and less mistake-prone. Reich wants someone who can control the offense. I think they're going to work well together, and Matt's a good manager. He's going to take care of the ball, go to the right spot, so I think it's got to be a better pairing. So 14 quarterbacks in Tier 1 or Tier 2. Real quickly, Tier 3, legitimate starter, needs a heavier run game and or defensive opponent to win. A lower-volume drop-back passing offense suits him best. I would say that's probably true of Matt Ryan at this point. Kirk Cousins heads up this tier, and some people think he's very skilled, not a natural leader, they say, uh, but he's been playing consistently at a high level. He's a more consistent passer than Matt Ryan. Kirk's not learning new teammates, so we'll see where he is. I think they're about the same. About the same. Garoppolo uh, into that Tier 3 Ryan Tannehill in Tier 3 makes sense. Mac Jones in Tier 3. Baker Mayfield at number 19 in Tier 3 as well. Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz in Tier 3. Jared Goff in Tier 3. Trevor Lawrence in Tier 3. Jameis Winston in Tier 3. Tier 4, quarterback could be an unproven player, not enough information, or a veteran who ideally would not start all 17 games. They've got Justin Fields, Tua, I thought he was the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. I heard Tyreek Hill say that. Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Dan Dimes, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, Drew Locke. So the earliest Steelers quarterback appears is in Tier 4. With Mitch Trubisky, number 33, Tier 5, quarterback best suited as a backup. They've got Geno Smith there as the one So, Kenny Pickett, not ranked in this tier list, but you'd have to imagine that he'd be down there as well. Um, And and so, there there it is. But the Browns have a guy that is a tier one talent. Everybody acknowledges that, and that's why they made the move they did, Uh, to be in that tier.
2: How is Carson Wentz 20th, and Jared Goff is behind him, Trevor Lawrence is behind him, and Jameis is behind him? I get Jameis was hurt, so maybe you can make that argument. Jameis, I think,
1: is – I'd much rather have Jameis. Yeah. People, for whatever reason, Carson Wentz gets a lot of opportunities, I think, because he Boy, played he like an MVP that time. I mean, they couldn't wait to get rid of him in Indy. They were – couldn't wait to get rid of him. They were done. They don't let the door hit you on the way out, and yet he still fetched a decent a decent haul. He got, I think, a couple um, – And if I'm not mistaken, didn't they get a two for him, which is wild. Uh, some news out of Seattle. Ian Rappaport reporting, Seattle Seahawks star running back Chris Carson retiring from the NFL due to a neck injury. Seattle will officially release him with a failed physical designation of the CBA that allows Carson to receive several million in injury protection benefits. Seattle does right by him. He won't make a retirement statement just in case his net dramatically improves, but this is where it stands. And the Seahawks, as they did with Cliff Averill, Cam Chancellor, and others, make sure he gets his money, thus the official Designation And then, you know, that team's got Rashad Penny. They drafted a running back, but, you know, there's. I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know that they're a team that would go trade for anything. Um, we'll see. I don't think that they'd be a team that would be interested in making a trade to try to get Boy. better. It doesn't feel like they're trying to get better. No. And, uh, and it said the Seahawks have been preparing for this case, and that's why they drafted Kenneth Walker at number 41 overall, and they've got Rashad Penny back, who they signed as a free agent. So they're fine in that well, running back, and though.
2: how about out of your neck of the woods uh, in 49er land? Kyle Shanahan says he, John Lynch, and Jimmy G spoke this morning. Everyone is on the same page. We have moved on to Trey. Uh, Shanahan says they don't plan on Garoppolo practicing with the team. Expects the physical to go well today as it did with Garoppolo's doctor. Hope is that a trade to a team Garoppolo wants to go to comes together
1: ASAP. Yep. But who's
2: trading for him when you know that they want to get rid of him? Well, no one's going to give you what you want.
1: I think they're going to take what they want and, you know, they're just I think they'll be happy to move on and give him an opportunity to right by him. I don't think the, the competition is necessarily – what they are what they care about the most so that to me i think they just want to get i think they just want to get done with it so that all their focus can be on trey lance they moved on to trey lance and i think they are just looking for somebody who's interested in garoppolo and i think for garoppolo right now you know i'm glad he's I, the sealers took picket so i don't see them being a team i think he could make them very competitive um there are a lot of teams that he can make competitive the question is do teams want to be competitive? And I think sometimes it's tough for those Tier 3 guys because the league either wants you to be a Tier 1, Tier 2, or a young guy who's got a chance to be Tier 1 or Tier 2, and that's it. Otherwise, you don't want to be good, so you have a chance to get those guys. So we'll see. We'll see ultimately how that plays out for Jimmy G, but I'm a fan of his and, and hope that it, it ends well for him. We'll see what teams, though, are potentially interested in having his services. That And that will that'll determine kind of where... It ends up for for Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, when we come back here, we're going to take a look at the special teams units of the Cleveland Browns, something that has been, you know, in terms of coverage, elite under Mike Prefer. That's not going to change, even though the guys change year in and year out. What we have not been elite at is returning. That should change. We have not been elite in field goal kicking. That should change. We've been pretty good at punting, And I think that will continue. We'll break down that position group next here on Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily
1: on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Zagura and Jason Gibbs with you. And right now we're going to take a look at our special teams units heading into training camp. Really only one job even up for grabs in the special teams in terms of the core. Your kicker is Cade York. Your long snapper is Charlie Hewlett. Your returner is Jakeem Grant. There is a battle, though, between Corey Bohorquez and Joe Charlton to be the punter. The coverage teams will be made up of the guys, some that we are very familiar with, and some new names and faces, depending on who kind of fills out this roster. Your bottom tight ends, your bottom receivers, your bottom linebackers, your bottom safeties and corners and running backs. Those guys are going to play special teams for this team. And if Mike Prefer is known for anything, it is consistently great coverage units. So I expect that. To continue, We'll start with our kicker, Cade York, the Browns' fourth-round pick out of LSU this year, was the first kicker taken and and one of the earliest kickers taken in a long, long time. He's got a huge leg. He went 15 of 19 from 50-plus in college, including a walk-off 57-yarder in the fog to beat Florida. He won a national championship. He knows about kicking in front of 100,000 people, as he did in the SEC. He knows about big games. He knows about pressure. Mike Preef, our special teams coordinator, absolutely loves him. Said he shed a few tears when the Browns made the trade to get York. He said the sky's the limit, the right guy for our stadium, for our city, and for the division we play in. And If you want to see what makes Cade York special, be sure to check out our Browns breakdown. It's me and Preef in the film room looking at Cade York hitting kicks at LSU, but also hitting kicks at First Energy Stadium. Uh, and you won't see that anywhere else. So uh, I would highly recommend checking it out. Were you say something? Uh, no, yeah?
2: it's, a, it's all him. I mean, it's it's him. I'm he's a little the guy. Concerned? There's not another leg just to give him a breather, but it's all him here, going forward.
1: Yeah, he's the no guy. Pressure.
2: We're all counting on you. You're the savior. You're the next Phil
1: Dawson. He's the guy, and I think he can handle. A st- I think he can handle it. Charlie Hewlett is your long snapper. This is his eighth straight season with the Browns, entering the final year of his contract. He's also a former captain for this team, well liked, and as Mike Crever says, one of the top five long snappers in the NFL. Just steady, reliable. And that's exactly what you want out of that spot. Uh, For your punting competition, you've got Joe Charlton, who's a big 6'5 punter, can boom the ball in 22 career games with Carolina and Jacksonville, a 44.3-yard average uh, with 29 punts down inside the 20. He was the NFC Special Teams player of the week in Week 16 of 2020. Then he got hurt and was released and is trying to catch on here with the Browns. Then you've got Corey Bohorquez, and Charlton is a right-footed punter Bohorquez, is a left-footed punter and a four-year veteran who spent 2021 with the Packers after his first three years in Buffalo, averaging 46.5 yards per punt last year. He's had the longest punt in the NFL in each of the last two seasons, 72 yards in 2020, 82 yards last year against the Bears. He led the NFL with a 50.8 punt average in 2020, has a career average of 45.4 and 92 punts downed inside the 20. So Bohorquez, you would think, is is probably the favorite on paper with his resume, but Charlton has had a, a good start to camp, and I think that's going to be a legit battle to see ultimately who comes out on top for the Browns and is their kicker this or punter this season. Kick returner, punt returner, easy, Jakeem Grant pro bowl returner in 2021 second team all pro returner in 2020 he has a return touchdown in four straight seasons with six total return touchdowns in his career the last brown kick return touchdown was Josh Cribbs in 2009 correct against the Kansas City Chiefs in a game that I didn't realize until I read Terry Pluto's article about Jim Donovan the Jim almost didn't call that game he was not feeling well that day he calls the game And Cribs goes for two kick returns in that. The Browns on an 11-year drought there. And then for the punt returns, the last time the Browns had a punt return touchdown, it was Travis Benjamin, Week 2, 2015, against the Tennessee Titans. And a game started by Johnny Manziel and won by the Cleveland Browns nearly 7 years ago so that's a look at the special teams there uh it is obviously a very very it, it's a good room now if kade york is who the browns believe that he is you have an elite returner you have the potential to have an elite kicker and you've got two very good punters and, and an elite long snapper. all right my,
2: my question for you is who backs up jakeem grant
1: so uh, based Just on last year based on last year and it's a, good, it's a fair question because, you know, he's got to stay healthy. But last year, your leading kick returner was Anthony Schwartz, 15 for 322 with a long of 35 yards. He had a 21.5-yard average. D. Ernest Johnson, 6 for 139, 23.2 yards per return. Felton, 9 for 172, only 19.1 yards per return. And then on the punt side of it, you had DPJ, 12 for 95, 8 yards per return. Felton, 32 for 227 with a long return of 24 yards, 7.1. return, So DPJ probably, and Schwartz perhaps, or Dearness Johnson. Dearness did a great job with it, and that's another way that he could contribute uh, to this team. All right, when we come back, questions facing every defensive position group headed in to camp. It's coming up here when Cleveland Browns daily returns on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: Rumpke Waste and Recycling is a family-owned and operated company. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become a part of the family. Visit them at www.rumkey.com to learn more. From a-
2: Jamison Hensley in Baltimore, Ravens outside linebacker David Ojabo officially a holdout second round pick yet to sign a contract did not report Tuesday. He's the only Ravens player not to report good news. Hold out, hold out all preseason. Great.
1: Well, it's an odd one because he's not ready to play anytime soon. So what's the difference? I don't know. I I don't, What, what are you holding out for? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's not playing this year. He suffered that awful, uh, injury at his pro day. So this was not a season that he was going to play if he did it wouldn't be for much later on, but you certainly want him there. Uh interesting that he will not be there today and listen, when you're drafted in the second round, you know, you it's it's basically slotted what you're going to be, what you're going to get paid by based off of yeah. the people in front of you and behind you. Now, my guess is that this is happening because he's saying, "You know I'm a top 15 talent." I should have been a top fifteen pick, were it not for this injury, and thus I want to.
2: But you, you don't be paid have as that such. choice. There's a, there's a pay, rookie pay scale. Uh, well, look, is I'm clearly I mean, it's coming down to the guaranteed money, is what yes. it is. That's what that's where the holdup is, I'm sure. Yep. The Dolphins signing veteran
1: wide receiver Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu, a vet down there, and and look, the the top receivers for that team are Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Cedric Wilson. So you're just talking about being a veteran backup, somebody who knows. And, and Mohamed Sanu was with the Niners recently, so Mike McDaniel obviously knows him. He knows the offense and can bring it in and can also help teach the offense the guys. Remember when Kyle was here, he brought in Anthony Armstrong, who didn't make our team but knew the offense and was able to demonstrate it and help teach it to the rest of the guys. So that could be the role that they're looking at right there with Mohamed Sanu. All right, let's start on the defensive position group. Some questions for each room. We'll start in the edge rusher room. What are the questions you got there, Gibbe?
2: At the edge?
1: Yep. The defensive ends.
2: How many actually play on the defensive line? Who's moving inside? I mean, you know what you have. You have Clowney. You've got Miles Garrett. You've got two of the best in the game. Yep. And I... I, I think that Chase Winovich is, is going to find second li- a, se- a second life here.
1: I think he definitely can too. I'm a Chase Winovich fan, so, obviously. And then you have Alex Wright, who you drafted. Yes.
2: Who you, so, who's moving? Who's moving inside? Well, what one of these other guys establish themselves enough to allow that to
1: happen? I'm curious to see. They're not going to move inside to play defensive tackle. What you're talking about is when we're in passing Correct. situations, who's the third defensive end, which means one plays inside. I think we could see all four of them on the field together, and I'm curious to see that because of right size. If you put Wright and Clowney, say, inside or Wright and Miles inside and then Clowney and Chase Winovich on the outside, what does that look like? My other question is, you know, do you end up keeping five defensive ends Is Tack McKinley still an option for this team? There's reportedly mutual interest there. And if he comes back, how does that change the dynamics in that room? Because you've got a lot of guys competing and guys who have played. Steven Weatherly has been in 73 career games. He has eight and a half career sacks. He was in Minnesota, so he knows a lot of these guys on this staff. Isaac Rochelle, 63 career games, five-year veteran, nine career starts, nine and a half sacks. So he has been productive in this league. Then you drafted Isaiah Thomas in the seventh round out of Oklahoma, who led the Sooners in sacks in both 2020 and 2021. I
2: like that kid could be a player
1: too. Right. But where does their, where's their room? That's the thing. You've got veterans. You've got guys who have played in the league. You've got a couple of rookies. You've got Tack McKinley still looming out there. And then you have Curtis Weaver, who's been kind of in the mix here for a couple of years, made his debut last year, but you know, is he the odd man out and really how many guys end up getting kept and how many guys get kept in the program? Like, do they try to get an Isaiah Thomas to the practice squad? Correct. There's a lot to sort out there. I'm curious right now, initial question, who's the first guy in in the Cheetah package or the NASCAR package? Who's the first guy in as the third defensive end? Do we ever see all four defensive ends out there playing together in obvious passing situations? That's something I would be curious about, something I do hope we see because Wright can rush from the inside. So you've got three guys who can. I don't think Chase would rush from the inside very often, but you have three guys who can rush from the inside for sure in that defensive end room right now in Miles, in Clowney, and in Alex Wright. All right, defensive tackle room, your biggest question, because I think there's a, this is the one with the most questions.
2: Who's going to be your starter on opening day in Carolina? Who are your two starters?
1: <laughs> who are your starters? That's the starting one. Who makes this team? Who makes this football team? In the defensive tackle room, if if let's just go under the assumption that only four guys make it, you've got you've got Jordan Elliott, Taven Bryan, you've got Perion Winfrey, you've got last year's fourth rounder Tommy Togia, and then you have Sheldon Day. I love Sheldon just, Day. Just makes plays. He's been in 67 career games, the most of anybody in that defensive tackle room. More than anybody not named Taven Bryan in the defensive tackle room combined. That's more than Elliott combined with Winfrey and Togi. You know, and then you got a couple of young guys. Glenn Logan, the big guy out of LSU, who's a four-star player, started a ton for LSU, won a national championship there. Is there something to him? Does he have some juice? And then really, you know, the other question would be, who is, if, if we're seeing three defensive, tack, three defensive ends and one defensive tackle in those pass rushing situations, who's that defensive tackle? Is it Elliott? Is it Brian? Is it on Winfrey? Who is it?
2: Yeah, there's, it's the one room that I think you have the most questions. Like oh if, for sure, Perion Winfrey, the guy that we're all hoping he can be, and right. how soon will it take to develop to get him ready at the NFL level? Yeah, you know Taven Bryan, second chance. You know, didn't work out in Jacksonville. Can it
1: work out here? A former first-round talent yeah. that uh, that the Browns. I think Jordan Elliott's got a lot of talent. Definitely think. Yeah, Jordan Elliott does have a lot of talent, and I think he's, there's some pressure that he's got to live up to that talent. That's the time is for him to do that. You know, now is the time for Jordan Elliott to take that step, for Taven Bryant a chance to resurrect his career after being a former first-round pick. You know, is Perry on ready, as you mentioned? All right, let's go into the linebacker room now. Your biggest question for the Browns linebackers, led by linebacker coach and friend of the show, Jason Tarver.
2: I guess I would say how many linebackers are you keeping Are you playing two or are you playing three? Well, I mean, that's – contain yourself. You're going
1: to be playing two the majority of the time. You will play three at times. But, you know, like, for example, Sione Takitaki is going to be your Sam linebacker when you're in your base situations, but he also was probably your number one special teams guy right now. So, you know, the question is do you keep five linebackers or do you keep six? If you keep five – Four of those five are are locks. Walker, Phillips, J-O-K, Taki. Then the fifth becomes a battle. You know, Tony Fields, who you drafted last year. Dakota Allen, who's a three-year veteran and has been a special team standout in the league last year with the Jags. It was certainly that. Willie Harvey, who's been with the Browns since 2019 on and off and played on teams last year and is a very smart linebacker that they like. And Silas Kelly who was our undrafted free agent this year. So they'd kind of be competing for the last spot. And if there are two spots, you know, it feels like fields and Dakota Allen would have the leg up and then you got to have Willie Harvey or, or, or Sire-less, you know, make a big move. For me, the big question is, uh, is who's your starting Mike linebacker? Is it Anthony Walker jr.? Is it Jacob Phillips? And and not a question, but something I'm excited to do is to see the just the development of J O K in year two. I think he's gonna be can
2: this group stay healthy?
1: I think that he's gonna become an absolute superstar. So I'm pumped to see that. Yeah.
2: I, I there's a lot of talent in that room. A lot more talent than I think maybe people originally gave them credit for a year ago. But you got to see the talent realized. Can everybody stay healthy? Yep. And and make plays and be the playmakers and fly all over the field, as we envision them.
1: I think he will. I mean, you think about you just go through the accolades really quickly. He's the Browns' third highest grade defender among the starters, fifth highest grade rookie defender, sixth best linebacker overall. Period. Was on numerous all rookie teams, tackles, pass breakups, forced fumbles, sacks, tackles for loss. He, He did it all. I think that he has such a bright, bright future. I'm excited to see that. The guy that's really the question mark is Jacob Phillips. Every time we see him, he's really, really good. We just haven't gotten to see him nearly as much as I think anybody wants Yep. in exactly. this building. But if he's healthy, there have th- been flashes. If he's healthy, is he the guy? Yep. Because Anthony Walker's flat out solid. 100 tackles, 109 tackles a year the last five seasons. Four with Indy, one with us.
2: And a great leader.
1: Great leader. Covered well last year. Played great, wanted to come back, and he is back. So I I like him a lot. I I certainly don't think anything will be handed, but Phillips is a unique and very special athlete. So will we finally get a chance to see that? All right, cornerback room, biggest question.
2: Boy, if Denzel gets dinged up or, um, you know, Greedy gets dinged up and Newsom's got to move back outside, who's going to play inside? Who's playing in that slot?
1: I think that the way they would do it, if I think the better way to ask the question is if Newsom gets hurt, who's playing in the slot? Because Fair. I think that if, if, let's say, if one of Denzel or Greedy get hurt, I think that it would be Greg would be in the outside still in two – two cornerback formations and then a nickel he'd come inside and it would be greedy and aj green or greedy and mj emerson or denzel and aj green or denzel and mj emerson if both were out it probably would be greg in the slot and mj emerson and aj green on the outside the question i have is who plays slot if greg gets hurt and my guess is we saw some of this in many camps and OTAs. my guess is if everybody else is healthy, the first person to back up Greg Newsom in the slot would actually be Denzel Ward. I think Denzel would go inside and you'd have Greedy and AJ or Greedy and Emerson on the outsides. Now the question is, if Newsom, if that is the plan, and hopefully we'll get some clarity on that, if that ultimately is the plan, who goes inside if neither Newsom or Denzel are available? Who is that guy? Who is that guy that plays inside in that situation? Is it one of, you know, Herb Miller? Is it Sean Jolly, Reggie Robinson, Parnell Motley? And these are questions that we'll get, you know, to Jeff Howard, and we'll get some understanding of that as we get closer. But my understanding of it is now your nickel one is Greg Newsom. Your nickel two is actually Denzel Ward, given the strength of the outside. yeah. So if those guys are both not available, by the way, that's a situation I don't want to be thinking about or dealing with, but that's what it would be. I'm excited to see what MJ Emerson can do. As am I, and I, and does he, you know, does he get more work in that dime role? Is that something that ends up being his way to play is, as a dime guy? He's not afraid to tackle. He's physical, and he's a big guy who can cover. I think tight ends in this league. So, does that, does that, come to fruition? Is that MJ Emerson's path? All right, let's go to the safeties real quickly here. Gibbe. any questions in this room? I mean, maybe just a depth
2: on the back end. Who who ends up making this team? I mean, you, you pretty much know what you're getting. I think we're expecting Grant Delpit to burst onto the scene here. Um, and this his what, second full year?
1: Yep, second full year, third year in the league, but second full season. Correct.
2: John Johnson, uh, JJ3, was walking in this morning. He's on our social media. Year six. It's a big year for him. And he said, I'm in great shape, best shape of my life.
1: It is that season. I mean,
2: you know what you get with Ronnie. Uh, Richard LeCount. Can, can he hold off the competition on the back end?
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good. I think, you know, John... With Grant's ascension, John gets to play closer line of scrimmage like he did with the Rams, and that's where he's the most effective. You've got Ronnie back your top three, and Ronnie was great in 2020. He, he struggled yes. last year. We know that, but I think he's been humbled. I think he's ready to come back and be a stud uh, and a, a very good dime defender for this football team. Now, you mentioned Rich LeCount. He right now would be the fourth safety. He could get pushed. DeAnthony Bell is an undrafted free agent out of West Florida that they like. Jeff Howard likes him. He can run. He's always in his playbook. He knows where to be. So could he push Rich LeCount? Nate Metters is a guy that spent 19 in Minnesota, uh, has been in three career games. They know him there. Jeff Howard knows him. Jeff Howard was the assistant DB coach when he was uh, an undrafted free agent out of UCLA. So he was brought here, obviously, for a reason. And then Luther Kirk, the fourth and undrafted free agent out of Illinois State, who has spent time with Dallas, Minnesota, and Atlanta. That would be the other safety. But right now, it really feels like it's LeCount's job there. He gets to start his preseason in Jacksonville, where he did last year. Remember, he had the interception down there. Uh, Should have had two. Almost had two in that game. So, that's kind of the big question for me. Who ends up ultimately being the fourth safety? How much of the dime do we see with three safeties versus, you know, does do we see more of MJ Emerson in that dime roll? Those are the things to look at there. But, boy, I feel good about the back end of this defense for the Cleveland Browns. All right, when we come back, so much more to come as we wrap things up here on this Tuesday edition, the final show before 2022 training camp begins, and thus we are full-on off to the races. You're listening to 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850
1: ESPN Cleveland. All right, the waiting continues. We have not heard from Judge Sue Robinson while we are on the air today, so the waiting continues. Hopefully, it comes after we're off the air. That's fine with me. Just let's get this resolution on to Sean Watson sooner rather than later. The football people bustling about, sag strolling by because tomorrow it begins training camp 2022 at the cross country mortgage campus begins for your Cleveland Browns. And that means we're going hopefully until the middle of February, baby, but it starts the 2022 season officially begins tomorrow. We will be live from the practice field. Sure. We believe (laughs) for training camp practice number one here. So, Listen, this was a football episode. You want to know all the questions, every position group, what we're thinking going into training camp. Be sure to get it wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned. The next level is next. And for Gibbe, I am Nathan Zagura thanking you for listening once again to Cleveland Browns Daily on ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland
2: Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.